Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds in the studio on another cold, wet, rainy Tuesday. Spring is creeping in. Uh, Kind of uh, unfortunate. Well, it was good to have Coach Mox while we did for the Lady Bears here at Missouri State, but it's sad to see her go on to bigger and better things. Your thoughts on her vacation? Well, indeed, uh, from a a victorious standpoint, sure, it's tough to see a coach go, but by the same token, this is a mid-major university, and as long as they continue with that philosophy, that's the way it's going to be. It's a stepping stone. Most coaches, let's put it this way, it's very rare to find coaches anymore who are going to stay at one locale for a very long time. It just doesn't happen because most of the individuals coming into that profession are young and they want to improve, and certainly Coach Mox fits that bill. You knew she wasn't going to be here very long. And we'll leave now and take over the post of the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. That's an Atlantic Coast Conference team. It's a Power 5 conference. She'll do very well. She has, she has the distinct ability to be able to coach defense, and that is not something that a lot of coaches have. Her defensive teams are nothing short of outstanding. Look at the record, 74-15. and 15. She lost 15 games in three years here made the NCAA tournament twice, would have made it a third time had it not been for COVID. COVID shut them down. And this year, they do lose to Ohio State in a really, really close game that maybe they could have won had they made a few more baskets. Defense, great. Ohio State ran LSU out of the ballpark last night. That's how good that Ohio State team was and how good the Lady Bears are. But Coach Box will do well, and uh, we'll wish her nothing but the best of luck. I, uh, I, like I said, I hate to see her go, but she did do some really cool things in the short period she was here. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about mid-level university. What does Missouri State do to change that mentality for coaches coming in? Because you don't want, I mean, you got now on the football side of thing, you got Petrino in here. Is he looking at this as a, kind of the same, same thing? He's a little bit different story because he has been to the big time. And now he is perfectly, at least I assume, anyway, I don't know the man, but I would assume he is, he's in his early 60s. He is quite comfortable here. He has his family here and doesn't really need the money as such. The younger ones do need the money. There is what makes a mid-major and a high-major, M-O-N-E-Y. And i give you an example. I, I don't know what Coach Mox was pulling in here, probably three fifty, four hundred thousand $400,000, somewhere around there. It's good. Yeah, it's not good. at Virginia, it's not. At Virginia, they'll make upwards of a million dollars. Man. And higher at the big-time schools. Gina Oriema, for instance, at Connecticut, $3 million. $3 million. Think of this. And he's small-time compared to some of the guys who are coaching men's teams. It's uh, it's really out of sight what they make and what they can. More power to them if they can get the money. We sure as hell can't hear. You and I are, <laughs> are idiots. What the hell did we do with our lives? Um, so uh, who do you think is going to fill those shoes that uh, Coach Mox left for the Lady Bears? I would assume it's going to be somebody who's very young. I would predict it's going to be a female. But a young female who's looking probably at, at using this as a stepping stone, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. You want somebody who's aggressive and who wants to improve him or herself in the profession. That's that's perfectly fine. But whomever it is is going to have some really, really big shoes to fill because uh, Coach, Coach did a great job. She was a fine coach, and she follows a legacy of other good coaches, starting with Cheryl Burnett. My goodness sake, we've had some 
We've had some dandies in here who have been able to guide this program. Coach Katie Abrahamson Henderson, for instance, she had her team playing. Kelly Harper had her team mm-hmm. playing last night. They, they, these are all solid coaches, and I suspect the new one, and there will be a number of applicants, the new one will be in that in that ilk, I'm assuming. I hope we can get a good one. Uh, Coach Mox definitely did a great job while she was here. Let's talk football for a second. Uh, this offseason has been insane. It feels like we're in the – mid 80s and we're having an arms race race with Russia inside of the uh, NFL. We got teams loading up big time, especially the AFC West. I was reading an article about uh, how just at quarterback, there hasn't been a division like this with that talent since like the AFC East in the 80s with Marino, Kelly, Esiason. You know what I'm talking about? Like there really has not been a division. I mean, I hate to say that for the AFC West because we got Derek Carr in there because I really don't think Derek Carr is on that level. See, I don't know why you guys are so high up on that guy. I don't know why. I'll tell you why because he has not had a good core of receivers. He does now. He has Devontae Adams Uh, in there. You want if he has a line in front of him, and it's an if. Derek Carr is very, very. But I think it's I think it's a it's a give and take relationship. Yeah, you're you're right. He hasn't had a lot of great receivers, but he still has some good receivers and. At the same time, a quarterback should be able to help make a mid-level guy a better receiver by being a better quarterback. And I don't think Derek Carr is that guy. I don't know how many seasons we have to have to prove that. But anyway, it's like an arms race. And it's just been insane what's happened. The trades, all this stuff. And then yesterday, Matt Ryan is going to Indianapolis. What the hell about that? What That's crazy. Well, it's because, uh, number one, because the Falcons want to go young. And he's not. Matt Ryan is uh, 37 years old. Yes, he's had his great career with the Atlanta Falcons, took him to the Super Bowl, and has had all almost all the Falcons quarterback records. But he is 37. The Falcons have decided they can get something for him. I think it's a third-round draft choice, which is surprising. But they, they also take a hit in the salary cap. I think they still have $40, $40 million in dead cap money that they – they have to somehow adjudicate in their whole system. But Ryan probably, probably has passed his better days. However, Indianapolis needed a QB, and they needed somebody who was seasoned. So what did the Falcons do? Well, they trade him, they trade Ryan, and sign Marcus Mariota, who was serving as a backup at the time. I, don't, I really have not perceived Mariota as being a starting QB, but we'll find out because he's going to get that shot with Atlanta. And as far as Ryan with Indianapolis, he still has enough savvy to be able to make something out of that team if they're going to have it. You're, I, I won't disagree with you at all as far as the AFC West is concerned. I think they have the best division in all of football, at least on paper. On paper. Uh, you've got to be yeah. able to prove it on the field. Yeah. You've got to have your line. You've got, it, it, it's a team. It isn't one person. And, and look at the Chiefs. They have, a, and they have the, probably the best quarterback in football. But have they been to the Super Bowl? Yes. Twice, lost one, didn't go this year. Why? Because not all of the elements of the team were together. You've got to have that. That's all part of the game. Yeah, but they made it to the AFC uh, Championship game four times in a row, so I'm just going to throw that out there before we go to break. Ned. <laughs> I'll see not, it's not a good argument. No, I know. But again, but at the same time, I, and it, 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 I just, going back to what we were arguing about, I just don't think Derek Carr's in that. I think he's a top, top 15 quarterback, regardless of if he's got Devontae Adams or not. But, like you said, on paper, on the field, completely different things. And how many times have we gone into the season saying, oh my god, these guys are going to be so hot. And It's because they're not, they haven't had the 
key elements of a team together. Yep. That's what you've got to have. It isn't just one person. Yeah, I know. I know. A pair of former Lady Bears coaches, as you mentioned last hour, took teams on the courts last night. Um, how'd they do in their matchups? Got away with a split, although it could very well have been 2-0 and for their teams. Katie Abrahamson-Henderson is coaching at Central Florida now. She has in my opinion, a dynamite basketball team. Now, their season ended. They played Connecticut last night at Stores, Connecticut. They had UConn beaten. Here is Coach, Coach uh, Abe and Coach Mox are very close friends, and they both coach the same way. They, they preach defense. And last night in watching Central Florida play, they used a masterful three-quarters court, half-court trap that had a seasoned team like Connecticut and Gino Oriema completely puzzled. Didn't know how to handle it, throwing the ball away, fell behind. Eventually, however, the, the, the slide back on a three-quarter court or half-court trap is that if you get past it, there's some free shots right at the goal. And sure enough, Connecticut was able to get a few of them, not very many, and capitalized from the foul line and pulled off a 52-47 to win over Central Florida. And that ends the season for Central Florida. Connecticut continues on. I have real problems with these games being played on a home court, which they were, and the Connecticut was playing at home in Stores, Connecticut, last night. That's a problem that may need to be addressed by uh, the NCAA and by women's basketball. Uh, Kelly Harper in Tennessee, <laughs> she had her game lost at home. They are playing Belmont. Belmont, folks, next year is in the Missouri Valley Conference. They were really, really good. Had Tennessee down and almost out. But almost doesn't count. Tennessee hit some key foul shots. There was a critical play with less than a minute remaining in which I don't think I've seen this before. It doesn't happen very often. But the gal from Belmont's on the foul line. Teams are lined up. If she makes these foul shots, it's going to be awfully tough for Tennessee to come back. Makes the first one. The second one... The young lady hitched in her shot. In other words, she started and then stopped. And when she stopped, the players all ran into the lane. And the first one was a Belmont player. That's a lane violation. She made the shot. Didn't count. Up the the court come boy, Katie was not happy. Oh, (laughs) especially at that point in the game, man. Up the court they come, and Tennessee was able to capitalize on the foul line and won 70-67 over Central Florida. Coach Kelly Harper was very, very lucky to get out of that game, but she did. She got the win. So we got a split out of that. Coach Mox was in the NCAA this year. This is this is really a great program we have here in oh, Springfield, yeah. and we've produced any number of sensational coaches, and I suspect that's going to continue. Well, hopefully the next one is going to be a great one. Now, is it just me, or has it just been bad luck for the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff for the last couple seasons? I mean, obviously we went through a pandemic, a shortened season, but it seems like we really haven't had a great pitching core for a few years Well, now. when you take a look at the staff, the way it shapes up now, Flaherty, Jack Flaherty is not going to be in there for opening day, and there is no telling how long he's going to be out. He has not really, since 2019, been, been a consistent performer with this team. I, I have a feeling he may not be around in a Cardinals uniform Uh, after this year, but that remains to be seen. And then you have Alex Reyes, the big-time reliever. He's out with a frayed ligament or something in his shoulder, whatever it is. But when you take a look at their starting staff, they're not all that bad. Wainwright, unfortunately for the Cardinals and for Wainwright, he is 40 years old, and this is his last year. Miles Michaelis, who's had injury problems, 
The Hudson kid, Dakota Hudson, fine player. He, he can pitch when he is healthy. Jake Woodford, not a very known commodity, but has the capabilities. And the key to the whole thing is a pitcher that the Cardinals got from the New York Mets this year, Stephen Matz. He can throw. He's a very, very, very good pitcher. Whether or not the Cardinals make any deals here in the next couple of weeks, I don't know. But I think their starting core is is pretty good. Their bullpen remains to be seen. And the Cardinals are undefeated in spring training. Right? Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, what are those scores? We had some games yesterday, didn't we? Cardinals beat the Washington Nationals under the lights last night, 7-3. to And the Kansas City Royals playing out in Arizona knocked off the Los Angeles Angels 8-5. to Kansas City's been hitting the ball, but you know, this is this is kind of an anomaly because out in Arizona, everybody hits that ball well. The air is different. It is very warm out there, and that ball's traveling. Now, once they get up here into the northern part of the United States, that's going to slow down a little bit in the spring. Cooler weather has a tendency to put a damper on those long shots, but right now, spring training, those scores are way up there. Yeah, it's like they're playing football down in Arizona instead of <laughs> baseball. Ned, you have a wonderful day and stay dry, my man.